Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show that talks about Star Wars movies, TV, comic books, books, and more. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, aka the Lord of Lore, who has just been flustered by a huge microphone um, delay in response and delay in actuality. It's been crazy, but anyway... I'm coming off the flustered and frustration of it. Joining me today is my co-hostess, Lindsay, aka the Lady of Lore. And joining us again is Brandon the Bendu. How you guys doing? I'm good. I love when we're all together like this. Yeah. It's it's and good to get to it back twice here. in a row. I know. Wow. I we're know. so good to our listeners, really. Like yeah. we're we are a gift to their ears. Well, speaking of gifts to our ears, I uh, I got a phone call at like 7 in the morning on Friday. So me and Lindsay actually thought that Celebration was a week prior to when it actually was. So Wait, I want to say, though, in my defense, I also knew it was Easter weekend. I thought a week earlier was Easter weekend. So was I bummed out that Celebration wasn't happening? Yes. Was I a little relieved that I did have to drop to my sisters that weekend like I had planned? Also, yes, but continue. No, absolutely. I literally got up at like 5.30 in the morning. We were ready yep. to listen to the panels. And I didn't realize, I thought Celebration was still happening. I just saw that you couldn't stream it. So that was like, well, I guess we'll just update each other. And Lindsay was like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then like a couple hours later, it's like, oh, Celebrate. I didn't hear any news. I went to my work day. It was busy, chaotic, like it always is. And I was like, man, I'm not hearing any news. Celebration's going to fucking suck this year. Jeez. Only to realize that I was a week early to Celebration. And so it was this past weekend. And I got a call from Lindsay. Pretty excited. I never usually get phone calls from Lindsay at 7.30 in the morning. But this one was, um, was a delight. We had talked about the Lucasfilm um, presentation and there was a lot of stuff that came out. Um, let's start with we'll do we'll do the three. So uh, Dave Filoni is going to be directing a film on his own. Yay! Um, that's going to be apparently tying up all the stuff that's happening in the Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and Skeleton Crew? Question mark. How do we feel about that? Mm. About I mean, the Dave Filoni movie, though. Oh or yeah, absolutely. Do we, do we think it's going to tie in Skeleton Crew? Do we think it's going to tie in Skeleton Crew and Dave Filoni getting his own Star Wars movie? I mean, Dave Filoni getting his own Star Wars movie, come on. That's a gift. That is yeah. an absolute gift. I mean, I've been screaming for that for how many years now? When did we start this whole endeavor, Lindsay? Oh, man. Yeah, like, when we, said, we saw it the other day. It was... It's been it was like eight, eight years five, ago? Yeah, eight years ago, something like that. So I've been talking about Dave Filoni. I never... I never said Dave Filoni should run Lucasfilm because I think that is a very different position from a, a creative, you know, having to to juggle all those balls of finances and everything like that. But I've always said, like, give those good Dave old Filoni balls of finance. <laughs> yep. Uh, give Dave Filoni as much of, you know, the creative side of things as you possibly can. And so uh, I think that 
there's a few things I really like about this movie announcement. One is the idea of kind of using the Disney Plus shows to create an Avengers-style movie, which will be a first of its kind. You know, uh, Marvel is kind of dipping their toes in having the streaming shows affect the movies, but when you're looking at the Avengers-style team-ups, it was all films leading up to those things. So that'll be really exciting to uh, kind of see this new experiment uh, take place. But then also, they called it an end point. They were very definitive in, in saying that he was wrapping up everything. And I like the idea of Mandalorian and everything else having having an end point to them because I think it's a nice way to tie things up. We've seen that these things can come back. I mean, look at Ahsoka. It's literally Rebels Part 2 in live action, um, which, I mean, we all kind of knew it would be, but it just got confirmed this weekend because they, they're not just going, oh, yeah, these are the same characters. No, these are the same plot points that they're bringing in. So... I think it's all, you know, regardless of whether it includes Skeleton Crew or not, it's going to be a nice end point to say this is the end of of the first era of Disney plus Star Wars. And here's where we're going to be able to start the second era of Disney plus Star Wars. And with all the new eras that they're opening up, you know, you've got now the new Jedi Order, the High Republic, the Old Republic, the Dawn of the Jedi, all of these things that they're opening up now where you can just have this pantheon of shows and movies coming out that all bounce off of each other. And I think giving the first one of those to Dave Filoni is a good call because there's nobody who is going to uh, deliver on Star Wars better than Dave Filoni. And... I honestly think there's nobody who's a better option to direct because he learned one from George. So he's got that cinematic language, but two Dave Filoni has always uh, stricken me as somebody who is humble enough to go ask for help. Uh, he's not going to say, you know, like, no, nah, I've got to, I've got to prove that I'm worthwhile or I've got to do this. His end goal is always the story and telling the best story and having the most fun with the story. So if that means going and asking John Favreau for help on the movie, asking James Mangold, asking, you know, uh, Ron Howard, whoever it may be that is, you know, in the, the Lucas sphere, if you will, um, I think he will, will do that. And I think that that's really a unique and special opportunity uh, for Lucasfilm with this new uh, thing that they're building in, in having TV shows leading into a movie. Right. And so like eight years or or let's just go with the six years timeline, like kind of when all this Dave Filoni should get his star Wars movie stuff kind of started. I was under my thoughts about that was that was that he was not ready for a movie. You can't just be handed a, you know, couple uh, hundreds of million dollar budget when you've never really proven yourself in a live action sense. And even though he's got the storytelling chops, directing a movie or writing TV and directing animation is different than live action. So I thought that he would eventually get to this point, but it would take some work. And the thing that like kind of sets Dave Filoni aside from like if they were to hand it to um, somebody else who is a little bit different is that one in the Mandalorian season one kind of director's panel they had where they had all the directors together talking, each director had talked about, you know, what they wanted to bring to the table. And Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni's whole approach was, I was just happy to be here with these people at this table, learning from John, learning from Bryce, learning from all these amazing directors. And every episode, I will say that the first episode he directed, it was, 
it was good, and it keeps getting better and better. His directing keeps getting better, and when you add that with his knowledge and story and, and his focus driven on Star Wars, I think that this is actually time to start doing this because he's been doing live action for years. If this would have happened six years ago, I would have been a little bit nervous, not because I don't believe in Dave Filoni, but because directing films is a completely different animal. Live action is a completely different animal, but he's stayed humble. He continues to want to learn and grow. And I think at the end of the day, like Dave Filoni just wants to learn as much as he can so that he can keep elevating his Star Wars stories. And that's something that I really, really respect. Well, there's two things in there that are really important. One is, and Kathleen Kennedy talked about this in her uh, interview on the celebration stage, is how much 2020 shifted things. Because originally, you know, John Favreau was talking to Kathleen Kennedy about, you know, this Boba Fett thing, or, you know, which evolved into a Mandalorian thing, but it was going to be in cinema, it was going to be in the movie theaters. And I think if that had happened, you don't necessarily bring Dave Filoni in because it's not as much, like you said, of a testing ground. Um, So I think it would have been a longer game for him if we didn't have have this. Um, And two is just how intense these shows are. Like these, these shows are not what we used to know as far as budgets go. Like each movie, or excuse me, each each episode is a mini movie in itself. Each season is like a trilogy, if you will. Like you have that much intensity behind what you're creating. So he's worked with live action. He's worked in these high-pressured environments. And he's created cinematic quality television that, I mean, I think we can all agree... 90 to 95 percent of the mandalorian episodes we would pay a lot of money to go see on the big screen right like there's maybe a handful where we go "Eh, i could skip that one but most of these episodes we would pay a, a buck to see at the movie theater and so i think the the shift in streaming um both in terms of they're pouring more resources into it and the the 8 to 12 episode aspect of it has been really beneficial for uh for Dave Filoni and his journey, you know, to to eventually having a Star Wars movie because you got to think like this guy who trained under George when, you know, it was still possible that there were going to be more movies, you know, had to it's got to be in the back of his mind. Like, man, I, I love creating all this Star Wars, but if I could create a movie and he's never going to come out and say it because that's just not his style, but you got to feel good for a guy who's been on the grind for what, like 2008 is when uh, Clone Wars came out. So 15 years of of nothing but Star Wars when so many other people have left and there's been so many trials and tribulations and everything. It's a... It's a feel-good story for sure. I think for me, what really sold him as as a filmmate, potential filmmaker and storyteller was back in Orlando at Celebration when he announced that Rebels would be coming to an end and everyone was so upset, but he was talking about more of you know the integrity and wanting to tell the story in the way it had to be told and not making things linger. Because I, I really do believe he could have kept Rebels going for years longer, but he knew it was in the best interest of those characters to end it. And thank God he did. Because had he not, we wouldn't have 
an Ahsoka show coming out. You know, we wouldn't have these tie-ins with Mandalorian and, and Boba Fett. And his his love of good storytelling and not selling out has opened up so many doors for Star Wars. And I think it is that integrity where you can sit back and say like, hey, I know I'm going to get the best movie possible. He's going to do right. You know, it might not be what, what I want, but it's what I need. And he's going to do right by all of us. See, I'm, I'm, as we're talking, I'm, I'm looking and trying to find the directors listed for Ahsoka. Um, but this goes to show it, it, he's at least directing one episode of Ahsoka. He's show running Ahsoka. What this yeah. also tells there's, me is there's that... There's six directors in eight episodes, so I'm imagining he's directing at least the the open and the close. Um, right. And then letting people fill in in between, yeah. Yeah, and so what this says to me on top of all of that is that Ahsoka, by Kathleen Kennedy's eyes, is turning out really damn good. Like, she has to be very, mm-hmm. very happy with this for him to get this movie. Well, That's and... a great point. Yeah, I mean, it, it. there's at least pro- mostly completed episodes, you know, if, if it's coming out. I'm sure they're, you know, touching up little things, ensuring the sound is all good and everything like that. But the series, for all intents and purposes, is done and they've seen it. You know, they released a trailer for all of us to see, uh, which, how cool. Oh, my God. It was the best thing ever to wake up to that on, uh, on Friday morning, uh, that trailer. And so we had that trailer and then there was also a second teaser trailer uh with even more footage that came out at the the panel so yeah they're definitely feeling confident about it and confident about dave filoni and i think dave filoni has been able to take the the aspects that made george lucas such a great storyteller those things you mentioned Lindsay, about caring about the characters and the themes and the actual like messages of the story and not how much stuff goes boom and how many dollar bills it can make. And, but he also has been able to cover up or he does, I shouldn't say cover up. He doesn't have one of the flaws that I think got George um, or gave George a lot of headaches. And that is he cares about what the fans want because he is one and George and and this is the kind of storyteller he wanted to make this is not like a statement on George Lucas is good or bad or anything but he didn't care what the what we thought about the movies he wanted to tell his stories and Filoni wants to tell his stories but he also wants them to be for the fans and to expand what fans actually love about Star Wars and I think that that's a a special thing when we have all of this content coming out, you know, we've got more content in Star Wars coming out in the next three years than we did the previous 40 years. It's it's absolutely insane to think about it and having him as the stalwart and the 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 standard bear of that, I think is is really cool because if this experience for him leads him somewhere other than Star Wars, which is something I thought about today, like if he gets in this this director's chair and then wants to move on somewhere else, uh, which if he does, you know, more power to him. But I think that he is the guy we need to set the bar of this is how we tell Star Wars stories now, because it's going to continue the things that George did well and give us the aspects uh, that we love that George didn't really particularly care about. Yeah. And I think 
you know, if, if you're Lucasfilm, you keep Dave Filoni on rotation uh, or on salary, on contractual salary for years and years and years. And, you know, it kind of sparked something else in me when this whole announcement happened. You know, guys like Dave Filoni, they really are, uh, they're, they're a gem because in a world where everybody's looking for, you know, the, the quick way to rise, the quick way to climb that corporate ladder or whatever ladder you're trying to climb, Dave Filoni has played the patient game. And I've, I've somewhat played the patient game in my own life, too. Um, you know, there were points in my career where I almost wanted to completely give up. The, the family business that I've been working for. But I uh, all the highs and lows, I've tried to find ways to make things work so that I can continue working there and that life would work for me. And Dave Filoni is very much that same guy. He's always played the patient game, the humble game. And he's somebody who is really, you can tell that he's really helped with the Star Wars creative. I mean, there's, there's so many deep little nuances to... Um, to his storytelling, like even when you look at the Ashla and the Bogan, that's very deep cut Star Wars mythology that not even like the hardcore fans really understood some of that originality or, or some of that original content was from. I mean, like the the Boga, uh, the Ashla and the Bogan, that's from the moons of Tython. Like that, that's a deep like Dawn of the Jedi cut, and. And what he did with it, he was able to take this deep, um, this deep lore, and kind of make it his own. And I think that's what he does best. And and to go with your George points, he didn't cover up. He highlighted. He t- even took the weaker points and gave a very well written for reasons of why those should be in that story. He's taken everything from the prequels that might have even been weaker points of the stories and he's found ways to elevate them and make them brighter and that's why you have guys like Hayden Christensen thanking the Clone Wars and hell yeah. and having watched those now it has really helped him shape his character of Anakin or at least his perspective as Anakin and you can tell you can tell very much in the stuff that we've seen with Hayden. Now, I mean, it's not official yet, I don't think, but I'm, we're gonna get, we're probably gonna get some Hayden in Ahsoka too, and I'm interested to see how that plays off. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dave Filoni getting his own Star Wars movie. Um, so, I wanted to, aside from the Filoni of it all, touch on some stuff that you kind of just brought up in terms of that deep cut and and what the story could be. Filoni aside, you know, we have Ahsoka, and I think we're all pretty clear going into it what the plot point of Ahsoka is going to be. We're all familiar now with Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. What do you think Filoni not will do? There's no way to know what he will do. But what do you think he can do that's really going to shock us? Because I think in knowing that, look, this is all leading up to a Mandalorian rebellion or or uprising and finding Ezra what do you think is gonna gonna keep fans on their toes where we don't walk out just saying yeah that's that's exactly what I expected but whoa that is so much better than I ever thought it could be I think the the two dark side force users uh Balin and Shy or something of that nature I can't remember exactly what which I'm so upset that his name is Balin (laughs) <laughs> I'm so upset. That is so, so defeating. You wanted Joris Siaboth? 
Yes. Yeah. Dude, I why not? Mad he's, about a, it. He's, he's a white guy with a beard. That yeah. guy's a white guy with a beard. It was, I mean, it, was literally... a, it was a little bit of a letdown. But I'm really intrigued about that because if you had told me, you know, you have 10 chances to guess like what's going to happen on Ahsoka, I don't think I would have used, I would have put Dark Side Force users uh, in that, in that list of 10 just because this is a time in the galaxy when they're you know you have snoke is somewhere out there and of course you know palpatine is out there and stuff but there's not really any active dark side users um and so i'm really intrigued with what he's going to do with that especially seeing what i imagine is the world between worlds and and uh balin being there because we know how hard that was um, for Ezra and Ahsoka to get into and the complications there. And even Palpatine had trouble actually being able to access the world between worlds. So the the use of that, because I think he's very careful about it, um, will be really interesting to me. And just there, there's conversation out there that the first four episodes of Ahsoka are about Ahsoka and the, the last four are about uh, you know, the finding of Ezra and everything with the Rebels. And working on the idea that this is a limited series and a one-season thing, because that was the last thing they said, even though Rosario Dawson did say she wanted a second season, so hopefully. Um, but if we say there's only going to be these four episodes and four episodes to be eight total, the biggest shock is going to be, for me, how is he actually going to bring all of these threads together to make this in and of itself a satisfying story? I don't doubt that he will, but that is a very limited amount of time to touch on all of these things that we saw in the trailer and all of these aspects that need to be brought in. So how he executes on making each episode its own story that builds the bigger story of the Ahsoka series, how he keeps the series contained in and of itself while building the rest of the galaxy. Um, I think just being able to pull that off is going to be the biggest thing for me because he's had clone wars he's had rebels he's had mandalorian all of these things have been multi-season things he has eight hours maybe to tell this huge story and also fill in all the background of rebels for people who aren't going to watch rebels uh so it's really going to be the execution of it for me that's going to be the most shocking thing not so much what is or isn't in the show yeah and but but here's the thing like I, I do agree with that 100%. But, you know, as we know, Clone Wars has, you know, some one-off episodes, and then they also have focused stories. When they tell these focused stories in Clone Wars, those are the arcs that everybody goes back to. And he does really well at these focused stories that do have a beginning and end. Um, and I think with Ahsoka, that's his baby. He has a story for her, completely oh, yeah, ready absolutely. to go. And, you know, I think at the end of all this, how to connect all of this. Now, now the responsibility of collecting or connecting all of the Mandal was something that I didn't really even ask for is connecting Ahsoka, Mandalorian, and, you know, possibly Skeleton Crew. We're just kind of throwing that in there because we don't really know for sure. Um, but it's kind of part of the Favreau-Filoni-verse, I guess. Um, so I, I don't know how much that'll tie in. But, you know, now he's got the responsibility of creating putting these arcs kind of together and and closing that out so there must be a really good idea because you know i say what say what you will or say what i will about kathleen kennedy she's very nervous <laughs> she's very nervous to like go through with something 
And with somebody like Dave Filoni, who doesn't have these credentials, these massive credentials on live action film, she has to be very confident on where he's going. And I don't think you can blame her at this point because a lot of the touches that they've added has been like him and, you know, Filoni and Favreau just like straight up hanging out in a garage making brisket during the chef show and talking about Star Wars. Well, and I think, you know, one thing and kind of this is like my final note on on the Dave aspect of it is he is very cautious about Lindsay. You you mentioned this cautious about the stories that he tells. Right. When he brought Darth Vader into Rebels, he made it very clear he is not going to be a recurring villain of the week kind of thing. We are going to use him very sparingly. Mm -hmm. Um, And when he brought Ahsoka in, he used her very sparingly when it would have been so easy to have her you know, take up the Jedi Knight mantle again and help train Kanan as a Jedi master who is helping train as like, there are a ton of stories to tell there, but he, he knew when enough, he knows actually, I should say when enough is enough. And so I don't think one, I don't think anything Ahsoka happens without it getting cleared by Dave Filoni at this point. That'd be like something with Luke Skywalker happening without George Lucas. If George Lucas was still, you know, in charge, um, so I think anything Ahsoka goes through him to start with. Uh, I think he he knows he has a good balance of being able to give us a solid story without giving us too much to where it's overwhelming and we're asking all of these questions instead of, you know, really thinking about the series. And and three, you know, he he's not going to tell a story if he doesn't have one that he believes is important to his character. He's not going to make this series just because they need another series, you know, like skeleton crew. I'm excited about it, but it, it's a different story that we didn't necessarily, we don't necessarily need, you know, like nobody was like, Hmm, I wonder what happens uh, if, if, you know, some kids get lost in the galaxy. Like that's, it's just not a, a question. We were asking these questions about what happened after Rebels. Where is Ezra? What did Ahsoka? What was going on 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 Malachor? And how did Ahsoka survive? Uh, you know, after she went back, all of these different questions that we had, and he didn't have to answer them. There's no reason he had to. He put a a pin in Rebels, and he called it a day and said, "This is the story that I wanted to tell there." And he's made it very clear that the Rebels story of the Rebels show is over. And so I don't think. This series happens unless, and you guys have both said this very eloquently, he has an absolute story that he needs to tell, not just for his future movie, but for the sake of the Star Wars galaxy and rounding it out and adding more depth to Ahsoka's story and the story of the galaxy at large. Lindsay, any final thoughts? Um, No, just I think overall, while I am absolutely ecstatic about this, For me, it's that possibility of what could be and let's keep things open and and there's no way to tell what's going to happen. Where I'm kind of thinking it's the James Mangold Dawn of the Jedi movie that I'm the most excited about just because that really Really? is. Really? For me, it's by a thousand. Uh, okay, yeah. Zach, I pinned that. That was easy. But Lindsay, yeah. I definitely would have you thought, thought okay, New Jedi Order with Ray. Don't oh, because it's Ray. Yes. Yeah. Because it's Ray. If you take the Ray out of the equation, and no, no, no. Story, I know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. It's a very hard thing for me to accept. But I think more for to like the sake of conversation, it's my favorite because that's another one where I am so excited about it. 
but it is more limited because there's so much history going on there. Um, but why don't we why don't we actually talk about that now? Because I said this to to Zach that one of the things I'm most excited about with the Ray movie is with that 15 year time jump. I think we're finally going to be able to take the fanboy Mary Sue argument out of things. And it's really going to showcase how amazing of a Jedi and what an amazing character she is. Because no one's going to be like, oh, she shouldn't have been able to do that anymore. So that I am really, really excited for. No, they'll probably still call her Mary Sue because she's going to be way more powerful. And, you know, that's exactly how it's just going to work. They're going to be like, but she's still got all of her powers. (laughs) You know, before the like before the first movie even comes out, there's gonna be you know YouTube videos with her with red like exploding eyes like Ray movie is a failure. It's it's fanboys are gonna fanboy, and we just have to ignore their blatant stupidity. And Look. and I think that the 15 year gap is is a good thing. One because it opens up so much opportunity for storytelling because you can move on from the first order and and all of that. You don't have to worry about, you know, the the remnant cleanup or any of that stuff. You leave a ton of time for for future storytelling in between for future animated stories or things like Tales of the Jedi or anything of that nature. Um so yeah, no, I think you're spot on there with the fact that we're going to see a fully fleshed out Ray. Uh, we're going to see a Ray who we all envisioned, you know, like that's one of the downsides of the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy is we never really got to see Luke at the height of his ability. We never really got to see Ray at the height of their ability. We got to see them reaching those heights. But what made like Mandalorian with Luke so great was being able to see him at his full abilities. Uh, and and even things like Battlefront 2, getting to see what he does when he's at that peak, um, really helps define to me what a Jedi is. And so I'm excited to see this Rey thing, one, because it's Rey, and, I mean, come on. Um, I do wonder, wouldn't it be so cool if John Williams was like, well, I guess I'm uh, doing new movies now because you guys brought Ray back, so I've got to you know compose for Ray because we know how much he loves Daisy Ridley. Uh, so yeah, there's there's so much that this this movie can be, and I think I think honestly the thing that I'm most excited about, and we can talk about like the eras in a little while or whatever, but I I like how it, they're calling it New Jedi Order, so you can do these subtitles later. So if this hits you can make more of them. If it doesn't, you've got one great story about Rey and her her Jedi Order that we can just expand on for years and years in, in novels and everything. Because when we have that foundation in the film and then we can build around it, to, to me, those are always the most successful things, whether it's doing it in a movie or book or a show or whatever. Yeah, I mean, like, all jokes aside, um, you know, I am so excited for her to be back i you know i i between me and Lindsay, i don't know if it was in the official clashing sabers group thread but when she started posting pictures on instagram i i could tell Lindsay was hesitant to let that uh positivity come back into her life because i was like she's coming back she's coming back she's dropping hints she's coming back and and Lindsay was like no 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 no. it's not happening like i thought Lindsay would be like totally on board and like riding my Zach, I could hype not. Train. Set, I could not set myself up for that. To, that 
let down and potential heartbreak. Right, right. But like I, I once I started seeing, it, I was like, she's coming back. And then you see, you know, while he's not confirmed, you see John Boyega is like now starting to like change his like, oh, I my time in Star Wars is great, you know, blah 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 blah. He's less like negative about his uh, not satisfied or dissatisfaction with how Finn ended up. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back either. Let that be documented right here, right now. I am excited for Ray for a lot of the reasons that you guys said. I think it's great. I want to see a Jedi fully formed. And, you know, Ray, I, I still have a hard time with Rise of Skywalker. Not because of her, but just because of the movie as a whole. I need to, you know, watch it so many times that I adjust to it and love every part of it. But Ray was like one of the most interesting characters ever like ever in my opinion like when you go from force awakens like straight up two years I'm, i wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for ray and all all that surrounded her um so i'm excited to see uh her be a jedi master and kind of carry that burden and hopefully she carries it better than you know the, the last jedi luke did and to kind of see her struggle with new new problems and to see her her powers elevate you know what is ray's jedi order look like what does this new jedi order look like at all is it much like the old eu where it's very much different than the prequel jedi order it's a little more like we're we are actual keepers of the peace separated by our own you know like we are the new jedi order we're not a part of the government we we sometimes help we sometimes don't we believe in individuality we believe in love we believe you should have other ones that you love we believe in open communicate what does it look like and I'm fascinated to see where that story goes, and I'm fascinated to see her being a mentor. And I think 15 years is a very good time because, one, Daisy Ridley has not uh, leveled up 15 years. She's not 15 years older. So it's going to give her plenty of time to play in that timeline for many years to come if she does that. Right now, I'm just focused on you know, the movie. This is the biggest announcement, and clearly Lucasfilm has huge plans for this because this was the supposed David Lindelof film that the script got canned, but they hired a new writer, the writer for Peaky Blinders, and they wanted to continue moving forward. So clearly they have a strong vision for this film. And I really think that while Daisy Ridley hasn't done a whole lot with her career more than, or hasn't done as much as she's wanted to post Star Wars, I think that she would not sign on if she was not confident in it because she doesn't want to deal with that fan backlash again, if she doesn't have to. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting. Like there's going to be, it's star Wars. There's going to be backlash. People are going to be upset because like we didn't get Luke's version of the Jedi order, but I think we're going to get to learn aspects of Luke's Jedi order through this story because Luke's Jedi order wasn't really out in the galaxy. Like he was, in the little time that he had it, he was j just focusing on training and discovering, uh, you know, the history of the Jedi and everything. And so he kind of laid the groundwork for what Rey is going to be able to build off of. I think she's going to be able to build off of of both his successes, his mistakes, and the and the secrets and and things that he discovered along the way. And it it will be really interesting, Zach, to see if you know it is more like the EU Jedi Order uh, because they're gonna. They're not going to be able to, to to resist the you know uh, action adventure side of things. It's not going to be her sitting there meditating the whole time. Right. But 
how much are they involved in the galactic, you know, uh, Republic? Because the Jedi and the prequels were too involved, and maybe Luke's order was not involved enough, you know? Like, there's moments in, in books where they talk about, yeah, like, Luke Skywalker's over here building the Jedi order, but that doesn't have anything to do with us as the Republic. So... I think getting to see how she decides to do that because, uh, you know, I think they're going to lean into her as, you know, this this great Jedi. Um, I, I don't want to say she's going to be flawless because that's going to make a story very boring. But I think she is going to become what people had hoped we would be able to do with Luke, which we never got to do because of, of you know, timing and Mark Hamill's age and everything. Um, I think we're going to get that kind of thing, even though I don't know what that actually means right now with Ray. And that's the thing I'm most excited about as far as that. But as far as like this new Jedi order overall, you know, if she decides, you know, I'm one and done with this, they're going to set up more Jedi to be able to take on future movies. And we could just have this whole new series of new Jedi order movies. Like, can you, Imagine, like, we could have, instead of 19 books, we could have 19 new Jedi Order movies, and I'm okay with that. Whether it's with Rey, and of course I want Finn back, uh, but I'm sure that they are are not doing this just to tell more of their story. They're doing this yeah. to expand on on more characters. I mean, one one thing to keep in mind there, too, is you don't just tell the new Order, right? There has to be an antagonist. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, you, you can't have, have the, the backlash from the rise of Skywalker. And then 15 years later, like Sith are at it again. So there's going to have to be a really strong and interesting antagonist. And that's the reason why we're also focused on this story. So I'm curious to see what that's going to be. I wonder, I wonder if like Lindelof's script was like so good until they got to the bad guy and it was the Yuson Vong. And <laughs> I was just and, thinking. And, and, and Kathleen Kennedy, he probably like presented it to her. And she's like, who the fuck are the Vong? Uh, Dave, can you check this out for a second? And and Dave comes up and he goes, oh, Kathy, even I wouldn't fucking touch this with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> well, hold on now. The Yuson Vong were going to be in Clone Wars. They were planned. There was a design for them and a story for them to be in Clone Wars before it got canceled. But they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. But I think... There, I think there's a lot of opportunity uh, with what they're setting up. I mean, you do have the use on Vong, which uh, I ha- I honestly haven't read any of the New Jedi Order, so I don't really have an opinion on them one way or another. Um, but I, I feel like with the, the brain trust that they have now, if somebody was going to be able to pull it off, now would be the time. But you're also, you know, bringing in uh, these characters in Ahsoka who are, are going to be dark side users who are not Jedi. So I think that may play a factor. However, they they set those characters up. Um, there's been cult-like things like the Acolytes of the Beyond um, that I know the three of us have talked about wanting back. So, And with the world between worlds opening and, and the impact that that could have, I don't want to see the Sith back. I think that that would be a bad call. I think it, that was the Skywalker saga. You did that with your nine films. Like, it's tough the, though. It's tough. It's, it it the is Sith tough. Are so freaking awesome. Like, it's like, how do you, how do you introduce dark side? Um, how do you introduce dark side uh, users and not go with the Sith? It's the King. I mean, Hey, of, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen with the leveler. 
No, for sure. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's yeah. one of my gripes. That was my first gripe when the High Republic got announced. Like, how do you come up with this height and create a threat that actually threatens the Jedi and the Republic and not be the Sith? And they've done an amazing job with it. Absolutely, Lindsay. I just think that while I'm so excited to see Rey and a new Jedi Order and what that looks like, I'm I'm not nervous because at this point I'm just along for the ride, but it is going to be difficult to come up with that. I mean, like the only other thing that I can think of, and I'm not saying it's a great idea. I'm not saying this is my idea, but the one other thing that like kind of outbeat the Sith was the Eternal the the Knights of the Eternal Throne, which was in the Old Republic MMORPG, in the sense that there was this ancient emperor who was. Who, which is a little close. They'd have to change it because it's a lot like Palpatine is now because of Rise of Skywalker. But he was an ancient emperor kind of setting up and controlling that portion of the galaxy. But he was behind that under the shadows. But he was in the unknown regions. And he, he had a completely different philosophy of the Force. And they were technically the bad guys of that story but in their mind they were not they believed in true balance it's just their balance was different than what that galaxy had what they what what the republic wanted for for balance and that's why you saw all the uptick in yellow lightsabers and that's why i got my yellow lightsaber um because they were an, an eternal empire in the way 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 untouched parts of the galaxy so there's multiple options you can go and they did not feel like sith i will say that like they were very much force years users with different force powers and different force philosophy and they were technically the bad guys but they did not feel like the sith and that was cool and i think you know if we look at what disney star wars has been able to do it has been able to hit with the villains like mm -hmm. yeah the the sequel trilogy villains were great. Uh, you know, Snoke was f intriguing. Kylo Ren was amazing. Uh, even though I have you know issues with the fact that they did bring Palpatine back, what Palpatine did in Rise of Skywalker, fantastic. Like it was good content, good stuff. It was scary. Uh, you know, even if you look at like Moff Gideon, you look at uh, the crime syndicates in Solo. You look at the Leveler, like. They've been able to have these non-Sith threats that, um, you know, have been compelling. And I, I don't think, you know, that the dark side isn't gone, you know? Like, that's not the story of the end of, of Rise of Skywalker. It's not that the dark side is gone. So you can have, you know, a, a situation where you have a Jedi fall, you know, or you have something of that nature. We've got you know, force users in the Chiss Ascendancy. You could have that be part of the story. So I'm not, I'm intrigued by what they're going to do with the villains, but I'm not really worried about what they are going to do with the villains. What I am kind of worried when it comes to villains, and, and Zach, this is going to go to you, is this uh, Dawn of the Jedi thing. Ooh, because I love a good bait and switch. I love it. I love if, it. I love the show. If this, well, well <laughs> so obviously... I thought of you, you know, the minute we saw that, the minute we saw the timeline and they like had Dawn of the Jedi in there and then also the Old Republic before the High Republic, I was like, uh, Zach might have just came in his pants a little bit. So 100% uh, did. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but 
James Mangold talked about this being like how the force started, which one, like give yourself the hardest job in Star Wars. Why don't you? Because the easiest thing to do is just go. The force has always been there. But it sounds like we're having like a big bang kind of situation happen here. Um, Plus, you know, how the Jedi Order started. And there's so much lore around it in the old High Republic stuff and uh, Dawn of the Jedi stuff that it's going to be interesting to see what they pull from that. And it'll be interesting to see how soon they bring the Sith in. Because I don't think having the uh, the Old Republic on that timeline is a coincidence. I really think that what they're going to set up with this Dawn of the Jedi thing is another one where you you have a good movie, you tell a good story that's contained, but you also leave a lot of threads because you now have Dawn of the Jedi, insert subtitle here, and uh, you can tell the story of the rise of the Sith. You can tell the story of uh, the Jedi-Sith war. You can even bring Mandalorians in. Um, all of those aspects that people love about... You can bring in midi-chlorians. You can bring in midi-chlorians. <laughs> like maybe, maybe we're going to have a midi-chlorian council meeting where they're like, maybe we should like reach out to people you know, and just get to know our community a little better. Uh, there's, there's a ton of possibility there. So I don't think it makes sense to use the Sith post Rise of Skywalker, primarily because I think you have a a special opportunity between what you've accomplished with High Republic, uh, things that are being set up in the that are going to be set up in the Acolyte, this Dawn of the Jedi idea, the fact that you had the Old Republic on the timeline, which was unnecessary. Like we we don't really have any active stories in the old Republic era, you know, and and so you're going 25,000 years ago, so you literally have the potential to tell... Like, bro, I came... Every my, and any story. I uh, came it's in my be pants when they said 25,000 years. Like, that that was all... Yeah. You didn't even have to announce James Maygold. 25,000 years in the past, I was like, boo, 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 boo. Like, just, Well, and, and like, you know, Lindsay and I have talked on Don't Burn about this so much, about how... Uh, initially the idea of the high Republic only being a hundred years before was kind of worrisome for some people until we thought about, you know, the, the industrial revolution and, and how a lot of the history that we talk about is relatively so close to us. Like 25,000 years ago for us is, it's impossible to fathom. So we don't have a, a real historical context that we can really fully grasp and understand because the world at that time was so extremely different than the world we live in now. Like it was, it was basically a different planet. And so not only do they have this opportunity for great new storytelling, but by going so far back, you've now opened up an entire like centuries, centuries worth of, of stories to be told. And you can lead into these different eras. You can have these Dawn of the Jedi movies that lead into your High Republic movie, or excuse me, Old Republic movies that lead into your High Republic storylines. You know, like you, and you can do it now for decades and decades, and you don't have to keep going farther and farther back. I think this James Mangold thing is going to be the unofficial start of the Star Wars story, if you will. Right. And so. James Mangold, and and that's not just because Logan. Like, I've loved James Mangold for a long time. Like, Walk the Line is one of my favorite, like, biopics. Like, 
one of the best um, movies ever. You know, everything that he touches does really, really well. Like in my in my eyes, he's one of the top five directors in movies right now. And to to kind of to kind of have him come in there and and want to do this birth of the Jedi, it's great. But to go back to this point of like post Ray, you know, we're saying ah, we don't want the Sith. Okay, so like we're like ah, we're tired of the Sith here in this timeline. But we're so hungry for it in other timelines, like the Acolyte. No, you know, everybody's dying for the Sith, and who's the Sith, and what do they look like, and 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 what, and who is actually who? What kind of Sith are we going to see in the Old Republic if they ever announce that kind of movie? You know that you're going to be getting wars with the Sith, and everybody wants that, but we don't yeah. want it at this, you know, post Ray thing. So we need yeah. something new with this Dawn of the Jedi. I can see it going so many different ways that I can't even tell you. Um, I could see it, you know, in my head, I see it as a story of people discovering the Force for the first time and setting up this order. And along figuring that out, one of them decides to go a different way, which ends up leading to the Sith. Um, you know, the, the Rakatan Empire, in the actual book, Dawn of the Jedi, the uh, comic, I think it was Dark Horse, they were a huge threat. And the way they wrote that was, it's, and this is what James Mangold said, he said, it's 25,000 years in the past, but it's not the Stone Age. It's still Star Wars. There's still technology. And I like that, because I do want something that feels biblical, but isn't like, you know, they can't travel planets. They can't. It's still the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, and part of me thinks that they might, he might go Rakatan Empire. I think he might do that. I think he could go either way. You slowly introduce, who knows? We don't even know if he's going to do multiple films or if this is just the start of something or if it's a one and done. If it's a one and done, I say it's one of those movies where there's going to be a new threat that's not the Sith. The Jedi are learning about you know, how to use their powers and, and why we should use their powers and what we should use our powers for. And there's going to be a hero that is trying to learn his place in all of this. And there's going to be another hero that decides that this is not for him. And that would lead to eventual Sith. I think there's going to have like a Cain and Abel type of vibe. If Oh, I absolutely. Yeah, well, but and, I think the, the the other thing we're not really talking about is this does have a bit of a difference between stories being told here and other eras. Because yep. if it's done right, which I think it will, think of how much it's going to actually elevate the the Skywalker saga. Because yeah, what was Luke? What was Luke looking for? Yep. This. This is what Luke was looking for. Now we get to see why he essentially abandoned the galaxy and thought that, okay, well, if, if I can uncover these secrets, maybe it'll be better. And it's also going to elevate the dyad, if done correctly, because we, we oh do know. Oh, my God, I didn't even yes. think about why that. Why wouldn't it? I mean, it yes. makes sense. It, it's so yeah. organic. Because so the, what the if... way that this could elevate the rest of the Skywalker saga is going to be absolutely insane. Guys, the Force was created through a dyad. I'm calling it now. Oh, I don't think that's hap- I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think no, we get- no, no. I think the Force has always been around. 
Um, I, I don't, he I don't very think... specifically said it's a story about how the Force is. I don't remember if he said created or born, but he was he he used that language. No, I would said, okay, so I got the quote quote quote. Uh, I got the quotes pulled up. It's a chance to tell the entire story on its own. The birth of the Force. When I talked to Kathy Kennedy about it, I just said I want to see. I just see this opening to make kind of a Ben-Hur or Ten Commandments about the birth of the Force. The Force has become a religious legend that spans throughout all movies, but where did it come from? How is it found? Who found it? Who was the first Jedi? And that's what I'm writing now. Who found yeah. it? So is it created yeah. or found? Is it discovered or I, I don't believe? I feel like it's gonna it's gonna focus on Jedi Prime because that's also the logo that For sure. they used. For sure, no. It so so when now you have what was Luke so interested in and combine it with are we going to finally get answers about the dyad? That's the story I think we need. Yeah, I would love that, and you have a right? chance to. You have to. The the force at its birth is going to be so pure, you know, that if you have this dyad and half of the dyad gets corrupted and that's what breaks the galaxy for so, so long, I think that makes absolutely the most sense to, to do and to explore. And, you know, we have these illusions throughout the story of Palpatine, you know, possibly creating Anakin. What if this prime Jedi figures out how to create life? And that's what really... Mm makes the force active you know um that could be a really cool uh chance to tell a story there but i think we're forgetting the most important part uh, of all of it which is that we might see tatooine with water on it guys yeah <laughs> or yeah. just throwing that out there i think we're i think we're definitely seeing tython for sure oh yeah tython has such mm. a rich history i'm not saying that they're gonna go Direct. I mean, like, I'm not saying well, they're going to do the same thing as they did in the Dark Horse. I'm just saying, you know, in the new verse, I mean, they Favreau and Filoni did use some of that material. Um, in and the you have Tython. You have a an actual place on Earth to go shoot on set. It's one less thing you have to think about nope. in terms of, of figuring out where to tell the story. Yeah. I particularly like uh, the dyad thing because I think... I think it's very important to show both sides of the coin, but in a way that these characters, like, you know, when, when we get Star Wars pitches, we get we get this old master that teaches them the way, and they, they have to discover, you know, how they fit in the Force and life, and you've seen Rey's arc, you've seen Anakin's arc, you've seen Obi-Wan's, you've seen how they all deal with it. But what do you do... When you're the first couple of them. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. say you have two characters that are in it together. You might have more, but you have two. And, you know, I think this whole movie is like you're they're not gonna be a Jedi until the end of the film. Like they aren't gonna know what's going on. But I see that dyad as, as yeah, like that that like crux of relationship where you have two people who discover this force and and start possibly figuring out their ways in it. But one of them eventually goes the different route, the, the path towards the dark side, and seeing that direct crux. By no means do I believe that this film, is, this film is much different than an Old Republic era, because the Old Republic era is the height of the, the height of the religion, in my opinion. The Force itself, when you have Jedi versus Sith completely dominating and, and, and screwing up the galaxy war after war, 
this is the needle that starts the thread. Absolutely. So I want y'all's opinion on this because like, I'm excited, obviously, about all the shows and all the movies, and we still need to talk about Acolyte because I'm pumped about that. Yeet. But, um, you know, a year ago or so, uh, Kathleen Kennedy talked about they were trying to find – essentially trying to find their uh, Kevin Feige slash, uh, you know, John Favreau for That's weird their because entire- they had Kevin Feige. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? Um, but they were trying to find kind of a stalwart to to head all of the storytelling uh, in the way that Feige did for Marvel, which I don't think was very plausible because Marvel is a different beast in that you already have these stories told that they're basically, you know, able to take and interpret for the screen, right? You've got years and years of comic books that you can go do secret invasion but make it modern and that's not necessarily that it's easier than what they do with star wars but it's just different right and so i always thought that was kind of a little bit you know everybody who's tried the marvel universe has failed i don't want star wars to be the marvel universe i want it to be star wars and it became very clear through this celebration that they are developing ideas and handing things to creators in eras. You've got the New Jedi Order era. You've got the High Republic era. You've got the uh, Dawn of the Jedi, the Old Republic era, the Galactic Empire era. And so I feel like you're going to have, while these stories all lead to one another, you're going to have these very contained eras where you can hand somebody a story and go, all right, cool. You can tell the story in, in the dawn of the Jedi era. You can tell the story in the new Jedi order era. And just in terms of having star Wars be a, a crisp, clean story where we can take all these pieces and easily put them together to see how they fit. I am a huge fan of this approach to, to the storytelling. Um, because, again, you have an opportunity to tell one-off stories here and there, but also build longer narratives across different mediums. You know, I think the High Republic and whatever they've seen with Acolyte has really just launched the idea of, of this ability to, to tell a multifaceted story that is contained within an era uh, that doesn't connect to the Skywalker saga. So I, I guess, Lindsay... For you, because I know you and I have talked about this a lot with the High Republic, how are you feeling about like having these different, clearly defined eras in the Star Wars galaxy? I am a big fan. I think it really opens it up to the there's something for everyone, which we as as the fans that we are who know every single facet of these stories, yeah, we always say like, oh, there's something for everyone. But in reality, there's not until it's on the, the big screen. If we're being completely honest with ourselves, that's just how it is. You know, this is something that came to be through movies. This is something that got its hook from people who enjoy watching movies. So until it's all movie-based, there's not going to be something for everyone. Whereas now we finally do have that. And I don't think it's going to corrupt Star Wars or corrupt the story in any way. It's just going to make it more accessible for people. Yeah. Um, I I agree with that. And I have more to add to that. 
you you have Kevin Feige. Um, so with with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're going in phases, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe reached their height at Endgame, and because that story is very linear, meaning it moves forward, they have to keep making these stories moving forward. So they have a tougher time writing them because now they have to introduce new characters in this world that already exists. They have to come up with other threats that aren't just like, you know, Ultron's different than Thanos. But they, like with Thanos, that was the height. That was universe-affecting things. How do we go higher in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Who knows? It's a linear story. story. With timelines, there's so much room to to add to every timeline we can expand this what is the current like the 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 most recent which it would be ray the new jedi order era what does this look like in the future the current let's back it up let's find out what happened and they're so far removed over thousands of years that it all matters peace for thousands of years like say the dawn of the jedi i don't i think the dawn of the jedi is not going to end with like peace and prosperity but like when you get peace in one timeline, there's some plenty of room to breathe for that to actually have mattered. When you get war for a long time, it actually matters. These eras have different feels. They have different effects. And they actually all matter to the universe that they're in at that current time. Which means that there's so much more room for those eras to grow on their own. The Dawn of the Jedi can grow from one single Jedi to the, to the start of an order, or two orders, the Jedi Order and the Sith Order. Then you move into the Old Republic, where they're both at their height and in, 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 in the forefront of the galaxy, controlling that sway. And then you have much more like the High Republic, where they're trying to build something, um, trying to build something great, sliding into the prequel era and now you know you have all these different eras with different feels different consequences and thus that means as long as the stories are written well you have years of curious people getting to learn more about this universe but not getting the whole picture you're getting a piece of these eras one piece at a time it's genius. It's it's better than the phases. It's better than the phases of Marvel. Like, and I'm a Marvel fanboy. It's better. It's a better design for a longer uh, stream of product. It is a better design. I think the difference is going to come down to execution, because I I was a big fan of the anthology films. I love Solo and I love Rogue One, but there wasn't a lot of thought behind all right it was just all right we're going to create a bunch of movies and there wasn't a lot of thought behind it uh now i think they've learned from their mistakes but it is going to come down to to execution at the end of the day um but i do like that they are taking the lessons learned you know you have this mandoverse which is its own self-contained thing even though it touches the star wars that we know you have the high republic again a contained thing that also touches you know the star wars that we know so they've shown a great transition towards a, a different kind of storytelling that i'm really excited about but i gotta hear zach how are you feeling about the acolyte because i am <laughs> way more pumped for this than i was four days ago I don't know. I feel like I got to go with Lindsay on this one. This girl's been hyping me up. Lindsay, how do you feel about the act? Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, man. This is 
I, I don't know what it is, but this is just the story that ever since it was announced, I feel like I've been so like attached to and so interested in and so curious just because I love a little bit of darkness, right? And and that unpredictableness. And now that we we know a little bit more and we've started to meet some characters and I can't even imagine some of the, the stuff that was shown, I am so hyped for it. You know, the the way people explain seeing the golden robes on on that screen and just seeing the the tension but from my understanding the fact that we will it's it's confirmed now have this be told from kind of the villain's point of view i'm sure they're still not going to be over overly villainous where you know we're not cheering for the people that we're we're sitting there going through the story with and that is such a wild concept for star wars which has always been about good versus evil and absolutes and even though we know that sith only deals in absolutes let's be honest star wars has so just to get something kind of more more fresh and maybe a little bit edgier that's something i am so on board for but ultimately lore absolutely you're gonna get yes lore for sure oh god yeah um you know uh, yeah, I mean, I was totally shocked by everything that came out about this panel. I, f- I thought that this panel told a lot, but and not too much. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm losing my, my mind over the Acolyte. I mean, but it's like this weekend, you know, I was telling my brother-in-law, who doesn't really give a shit about Star Wars, and he was like, you're in a good mood today. And I was like, dude, I literally feel like the universe, like, gave me everything I wanted out of Star Wars, outside of, like the high the the old republic remake is out now like that like literally i have everything that i wanted so like i'm so excited for the acolyte but like i'm so excited for everything but when we're talking about the acolyte one i want to say that i think it's really awesome that leslie uh headland came out during the high republic panel because that shows Mm. me a lot that shows me that Lucasfilm is now not just doing this shit where they're like, we're going to let the books be the books, the movies be the movies, the shows be the shows. This is f- this is really starting to actually kind of tie in these rewards for us reading these books. And not that I need a reward because the High Republic is so good on its own. I don't need anything else. Do I want more? Yes. But the fact that she's... You know, all of their their costumes match the High Republic era. The fact that we're, you know, we didn't ask for it, but we're getting Vernestra. And she's going to be a part of this story. Well, oh, hold on now. Some of us asked for it here. I've been wanting Vernestra. (laughs) More Vernestra content all the time. No, yeah, absolutely. But it's... It's the fact that we're tying in these things and we're, we're making this universe and these eras like it's not just like a timeline's great, but when you actually utilize it and we're seeing that happen in the Acolyte and it's it's truly exciting. Um, well, and I, I like the idea of it being about 50 years before The Phantom Menace because we've been talking about potentials for other stories if this goes well, this could be a a series that leads us directly into the prequels. You know, the Acolyte, much like the Mandalorian, the title has come to mean different things through the series. The Acolyte could come to mean different things. You know, this could be season one is about this original character Leslie Headland has come up with. Um, 
and then you know that expands and, and and brings in Palpatine, and we get to see you know him become the acolyte of, of darkness. And like, I'm not necessarily saying I want that, but they've very intentionally positioned it where they're far enough away from the High Republic books that it's not going to be we have to nitpick and make sure every single thing matches up. We can allude to it and we can um, I thought it know, was hype it and years. stuff. It's 100 years after the books, okay. which would put it about 50 years before The Phantom Menace. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love Star Wars math. It's so fun. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Vernestra is only going to be like 117 years old, but whatever. She looks uh, good. She does. Yeah, a little, little hair loss, uh, but, you know, we'll take it. Um, but you you have potential to see where these stories take you, you know, and, and you are bringing in these creators that want to create star Wars and want to do it in, in the long term. you know, Leslie Headland, one of the moments that really just got me this, this celebration was seeing Leslie Headland on the, uh, on the celebration stage saying star Wars saved my life because you could just see how heartfelt that was. That wasn't star Wars has made my life valuable. That wasn't Star Wars, like that was Star Wars stopped me from dying. Star Wars saved my life. You know, like you can tell in the way she said that. And if you haven't watched it, go watch it. You can tell in the way that she said that, that that is a real thing for her and that she is not taking this lightly, that this is for her the assignment of a lifetime. And so somebody like her is going to do Star Wars right, which is tell this story while also setting up other things. These are the kind of people that are going to either a want to continue making stories uh, in this galaxy, like a Favreau Filoni or B are going to tell these great stories with the intention of other people being able to take them on and carry them on elsewhere. And so I think there's a lot more intentionality around it as compared to, I mean, shoot, even the first season of Mandalorian, I don't think they were they, they, they were, you know, telling the story. But I think they had like a fallback plan. If this bombs, you know, we don't have to tell the rest of, of, of this thing. But you don't have it with, you know, like Rogue One and Solo. Rogue One, you had to have this definitive end to it. And Solo, you set up all of these things and then never paid them off. I think by having these eras and having these different um, things that, that fit into the timeline that we've been talking about, bringing in these creators that care about it so much, it's all just the perfect formula for being able to have Star Wars literally for the rest of our lives and, and beyond. And in that, you know, I don't know if it, if it was that specific interview, but she also talks about, you know, the biggest stuff because they didn't have TV shows back in the day that, you know, she read the 90s books and, mm -hmm. and played the RPGs, which I know is, you know, 100% the Old Republic. And so you're going to see some, some vibes in here that are going to be very... Very close, and, and one of the best parts about that panel is we, we keep hearing this quote, um, and this is Star Wars Newsnet that was talking about this that I'm reading it from. It says, according to the presenters of the panel, the series won't focus as much on the good or bad side, but it will highlight the importance of power and how those who have it will use it. That is like all you need alone. Yeah. It's like I think we're going to get to see, you know, the Sith plan, the grand plan in action, which is exciting. Like, yeah, the question is, who who are we going to see? Is this, 
you know, I mean, with 50 years being there, I mean, Sith do kill each other off mm-hmm. pretty often, but are we going to see uh, Plagueis? I, I, I don't want to be that guy because it was such a touched on, even though I don't care, like, I totally thought Snoke was Plagueis, and I still think he should have been. I don't give a fuck. Um, but are we going to see Plagueis? Are we going to see... Uh, uh, you know the start of a Palpatine. Like who? Who are we going to see? It's all... Are these going to be new Sith? I mean, like, it, and then there's the story alone. You know, it's it's just it is the doll of Star Wars right now, and I think yeah. it's it goes to show that while it's taken us time, we're starting to find that we can have multiple identities in Star Wars. And I I, I know that it's getting to be long show, but I just want to say one thing. I I don't know if I've said it before here. But I'm going to say it again because that's my natural thing, is to repeat myself. I have been, and, and look, I love The Mandalorian, but I, and I like Andor a lot. I think Andor is amazing. But I am so tired of the Republic and the, uh, or the, um, the Rebels versus the Imperials. I'm so tired of the Empire timeline. I'm so tired of that whole thing. Like you talk about an Obi Wan movie, it's like, yeah, I'm so glad I got Obi Wan. If you were going to get a story, that would be great. But, like, I'm so tired of that era. Like, after The Mandalorian's done, I don't want to touch that era, like, for a long time. I'm just so happy that I'm going to be able to actually see something new, even if it is an era like the High Republic that I'm familiar with. I'm just excited to get new things because, for me, like, I love Star Wars, but it's just, it, it's really getting old for me, This the same era. It, it really has, like, spiked or stopped a lot of excitement from me and so the fact that i'm getting these different eras to where i can take a break from the empire and go do something else it's really good news for me specifically yeah i mean and i think it's i think the more we can expand star wars out the better you know uh that's that's always been the thing and i like the different perspectives you know james mangold is very specific about telling like a biblical story like you mentioned earlier but even like the creators that they're bringing on and having do things are are people that care about that particular aspect. You know, Filoni doing Ahsoka and bringing the Mandoverse to a to a conclusion. You know, having a female director for a Ray movie. Like, how friggin' awesome is that? We didn't get that in the sequel trilogy, even though she was the lead character. We had you know two white guys dictating what the female experience was like those it's gonna be awesome to see guys. i know <laughs> screw those white guys they ruin uh, everything <laughs> but and then getting you know leslie headland telling another female-led story like the there is not just intentionality around the stories that they are telling which is is good to see because it's been so haphazard for a very long time but there's intentionality around which creators are telling which stories because I'm sure Leslie Headland, you know, came to them with more of a story of this is the kind of story I want to tell. And they go, ah, that'll fit fit well, you know, in this era. Uh, you know, James Mangold wants to tell the origins of the force. All right, cool. We're going to place this 25,000 years ahead uh, of everything else. So there seems to be a lot more intentionality around what is being created than we've seen uh I mean, because it's it's affected movies so much, I'll say in the past, you know, uh, what, 
five years or whatever it's been since Rise of Skywalker came out. We could even say 10 years since the Disney purchase. Um, but we've seen slow transitions towards this idea with the High Republic and everything like that to where it really feels like they're learning their lessons the right way this time. And they are are looking inward and, and introspectively to see, okay, what made this work that made that didn't? Um, and so I honestly like... I was more, I think I'm more excited about Star Wars right now than I've been in a very, very long time. And I've been very excited. But if you had told me at the beginning of this weekend that I would be talking about everything that we're talking about now and that some of this stuff would rival where Ahsoka is in terms of stuff I'm excited for, like we all know I'm going to be biased towards Ahsoka. But if you had told me I would be almost as excited for The Acolyte, wouldn't have believed you. Almost excited as excited for movies, I wouldn't have believed you. But there's just a clear uh, transition towards a new era of Star Wars storytelling uh, that has learned from the mistakes of the past and learned from the successes of the past, which I think both are essential to, to carrying the saga forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really an exciting time and you know i could go on and on for hours and hours about this i've literally never been more excited to talk about star wars than today uh in a long time when it comes to podcasting um and i just want to say that i i know that there's been some drama with the films like we have no idea what sean levy's story is we don't know if taika's still doing these things there's been a lot of frustration but before we close this episode, I do want to make out one, uh, a couple points. And that is, you know, James Mangold, I think this sticks because he has a history with Lucasfilm already. They're hot on making Indiana Jones, which means she's really happy with how that relationship, mm. she being Kathleen Kennedy, I, she's very happy with that relationship. So I think that one sticks. I don't think you fire Dave Filoni because you'd have to be an idiot. You'd almost just let a movie sink be before you lose him so i think that's definitely happening and when it comes to the other script with ray i mean that one's already survived the test of time so i think there's a lot of glue on this one i won't be shocked if it ends tomorrow because of lucasfilm being lucasfilm but i think these ones have a little bit more glue than maybe some of the rest and these have been announced at a celebration not on an investor's call Right. Yeah. So it's a different situation. Yeah, we always say once it's at celebration, it's legit. It is. Um, but guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Sith Talk. Obviously, you need to be checking out all of the Clashing Sabers episodes that we're that's coming out the next couple weeks because the hype train's really real. This is just the conversation starter um, with some of the topics we talked about today. We'll probably have entire episodes about. Um, just because there really was so much and we still didn't get into skeleton crew. We didn't get into a couple other things when it comes to celebration, but guys, it's really an exciting time to be a star Wars fan. And really what I like about clashing sabers is, um, you can listen to the show and you can agree with like, Oh, I agree with Zach on this one. I agree with Lindsay on this one. I agree with Brandon, but then you have these multiple shows with a different, uh, crew that have completely different, um, well-respected thoughts and opinions. And um, that way, there's there's so much more 
for you to go off of and so many different opinions. So I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, if you're listening to this episode, you're all hyped up just like we are. Go check out those other episodes that are coming out because I guarantee they're going to have different perspectives of things that we didn't even talk about um, there. So, um, Lindsay, can you tell us about Clashing Sabres and what we do? Oh, I would love to because, well, yes, we are a podcasting network with, in my opinion, some really fantastic shows that you should definitely check out by subscribing on wherever you listen to podcasts. But more importantly, we are also a nonprofit organization. So our goal is really to get these stories that we grew up with and that we love and who made us who we are into the hands of students all across the country. So... If you could join our Patreon, where we would have your financial support, um, since 100% of proceeds do go to our mission of getting books in classrooms and in school libraries. Um, But if you can't, we totally understand. Head over to ClashingSabers.net and let us know if you know any teachers or schools that we can help out and we can donate to. Brandon, where can they find you? Uh, on all the Clashing Sabers feeds, you know, we've got our Facebook group where you can come yell at us about uh, our bad takes or let us know why we're right about things. Uh, we have our Twitter, Instagram, at Clashing Sabers. Uh, like Lindsay mentioned, the Patreon, we are really making a push in 2023 into 2024 of, uh, of building that Patreon out a lot more for you guys. So if you have ideas on things that you would like to see, you can also email us at clashingsaversnetwork at gmail.com. Ah, yeah. And you can find me at SithTalker25 talking all things Star Wars, working out, barbecue, Spartan race, because the Spartan season's coming. But, you know, if you want to drop something, um, you can drop into my DMs and just tell me that I was right because I called the whole Ray thing. So I'm just going to ride on that high horse all the way up until that film gets canceled. And here we go. Um, With that being said, guys, um, may the force be with you. And also with you. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers Network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?